in these baskets, also back on the usher's table. There's those little message note cards and pens. Um, we have been um, hammering this uh, over and over again. That it is very clear, Jesus was very clear in Matthew, that if you are not a good steward of the words that he gives you, so in the message, when he reveals something to you, whether it's by preaching or by daily reading, if you're not faithful with that, he will remove that from you. He'll take that from you. But if you're faithful, I'm going to be a good steward of it. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to study. I'm going to be a Berean, how they studied to show themselves approved. One who correctly handles the word of truth. When you are a good steward of those words, what you hear then he'll continue to give you more. So we ask, and that's why we push those little note cards on you in that pen. We want you to be good stewards of the words that God's speaking today. And be expecting that he's going to speak something good to you today, right? And something good is going to happen at the altars today and through communion. And I want to just open up your hearts right now to receive your healing, your forgiveness, and your freedom even while we're preaching. Because it's not by the hand of somebody. It doesn't have to be by the hand of somebody. It's already paid for. And it's already yours. And actually that's the title of today's message. Is receive what he paid for. That's what communion is all about. Invoking that body and that blood. Actually there's books that are written right now. And um, I won't even mention the names of. But um, these well known preachers. That are trying to get churches to take out the cross. And take out the blood. Because you're being offensive to people. And that will be more welcoming to people. Well I'm sorry but without the cross and without the blood. Yeah, that's just a YMCA meeting down the street. Go ahead and go there if that's what you want. I'm not, we don't preach to be offensive. That's not the way. I mean, but we are very um, open, clear at this church um, that there is a cross and there was one who sacrificed everything. He is the ultimate, the God's only son. And he came on the cross, but he wasn't left on the cross. But the blood that he shed is for us today, for our healing, for our freedom, for every provision you have. And so we're going to talk today about that communion and receiving what he paid for. Um, it's not just enough to hear what Jesus died and now lives for us to have. We must understand it and apply it. And that's that word um, proclaiming, decreeing, making it so. Actually, the, a harsher word of that is invoking. Invoking that. All those rights, all that uh, authority. And we talked about that on Wednesday night. Again, those that, that, that were at Wednesday night's prayer, you've already got a foretaste of your, this message so you know what's coming. And actually, God just shared me... Uh, shared with me what he wants us to talk about on this coming Wednesday night, which is what do you do when distractions arise? In the healing, in the freedom, how do you, how do you explain, how do you stay focused, you know, when your child is dying of, you know, whatever. But we know Jesus' blood heals all. What do we do when those, if we want to call them, um, distractions come. So we'll talk about that again if um, 
the Lord willing, on Wednesday night. But we must understand it, we must apply it in order to receive what Jesus paid for. So today we're going to discuss discerning his body, what's been sacrificed, the atonement, what's been purchased, and the communion, which is what's being done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, no, let's read, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read first. In Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 18, but let me just explain to you, this was the, tempta it was the temptation of Jesus. Jesus was just baptized. He was led by the Spirit out in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, and, and, and then brought back. And it says that he came back out in the power of the Spirit, and he began to preach in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. And then he went into Nazareth on the Sabbath day, which was his custom. He's in church every Sunday. <laughs> Let's just say it that way, as was his custom. He didn't skip church because the, the sun was out and it was a beautiful day, or it was too rainy, or it was too snowy, as was his custom. Um, and he stood up to read. So while he was in the synagogue, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On rolling it, he found the place where it was written. Here's verse 18. This is what he came to do. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach. And that word right there is not just preach as in what I'm doing Sunday, but it means to proclaim, decree, and make it so. To preach, proclaim, decree, make it so, the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, there it is again, decree, make it so, freedom for the prisoners. Prisoners are set in jail because of their bad choices. But he doesn't just free those says he also gives recovery of sight to the blind or release from darkness to release set free the oppressed which are captives by somebody else's choice they're in bondage because somebody else took them captive wrong thinking taken captive whatever it is to release the oppressed and to proclaim there's that word again to proclaim decree make it so the year of the Lord's favor which if you don't understand it's still the year of the Lord's favor it wasn't oh that was just for those 12 months it, we are still in the year of the Lord's favor and then over that's what he came to do and in 1st Corinthians chapter 11 Starting at verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood and by the way covenants at least back then could not be secured confirmed without the shedding of blood 
That's why he even called the marriage is a holy covenant. There is a shedding of blood that takes place. And if you don't know what that is, um, go, go talk to your mom or dad or see me afterward. I'll get more graphic. I don't want to do it now. Um, but that, because it cannot be broken. It's signed, it's sealed in blood, and it cannot be broken. The old covenant had to have sacrifice, had to have blood, and the new covenant had to have blood. It says, this is a cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen to this. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There it is again. Proclaim. You decree it. You make it so. Everything he died, he came to do. All that Luke 4, and Isaiah, actually that's just the prophet Isaiah, I think it's in 61, said this is why he's coming. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To open blind eyes, set the prisoners free, set the oppressed free, heal all, free all. You understand, every time we take of the communion, we proclaim, we decree, we make it so. Everything that he came to die for. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a little bit farther here, Paul makes a statement that I believe links our sicknesses as Christians, I'm talking to Christians today. Because as a Christian that's blood-bought, let me be so blunt to say it, blood-bought, born-again believer, walking in light as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, and all of a sudden sickness comes on us, a disease comes on us, pain comes on us, whatever it is, it's in this discerning. Paul says that some of you today are sick, weak, Verse 2930, for anyone who eats and drinks, not discerning the Lord's body. And you're like, oh, you can't tell me I don't mind. I understand it. I understand. It's more than a discerning a understanding. Discerning actually means seeing what is really there. And sometimes we just don't know. But, and this is, we'll talk about this more on Wednesday night. When we try to, with our human reasonings and our human logic, figure things out on our own, we actually remove or nullify the body and blood. Not discerning. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, but he eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick. Listen. Again, it starts here, and it would take me hours and hours, and I, I could actually see myself doing what, was it Paul that preached all night long and the little guy fell out of the way? I could see me trying to do this. I'm trying to cram in a half an hour what would take hours and hours and all night long to help us understand correctly. Um, so... I, Whenever I preach on a Sunday morning, it's like just a little nugget. There's no way for me to lay the full course meal out before you. All right? So uh, that's why you're taking notes, right? And you're writing these things down to go home and look them up. But he says, if, 
Anyone who eats and drinks not discerning the Lord's body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick. Listen, there is no weakness. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no pain. There is no suffering in heaven, right? And he told us that we are to walk out on earth as it is in heaven. So the only way sin, sickness, pain, disease, suffering, anything like that can be in you, on you, come upon you, I got to be careful, is not because God sent it. He did not decree it over you. He did not declare, oh, everybody's getting healed except for you. That's a lie from the pits, okay? So just understand. You don't, that's the only thing you need to understand. But I think where we get tripped up is when we try to figure out why. Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? He does not have to explain. But what we have to stand on and know that Jesus came, died, went to the cross, nailed everything there, bore everything on him, raised again, sits at the right hand of God, and he said everything, everything is now Accomplished. It is finished. No sin, no sickness, no disease, no pain, no suffering. Yeah, but why do I feel... Doesn't matter. I'm sorry to say. That's not what's important. What's important is discerning the body. And you know, sometimes you'll stand and you'll feel um, like, you know, I've told you guys a thousand times, my back. We prayed over my back constantly, 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 constantly. And as a matter of fact, I was sitting in my office on a Wednesday night and the healing rooms team was out here and they came in again and I had, okay, I'm being very open before you, I had just resolved, I guess this is what I'm going to be the rest of my life. Why? Because I heard three different doctors say three different things and declared over me, spoke over me. This is the way you will be the rest of your life. You might as well go ahead. I had the doctor tell me. Go ahead and get the walker. Go ahead and get the bars put in your bathtub, by your toilet to help you get up and down. And you'll need a walker by your bed. You know, I'm, hello, people. I'm not that old. And so I'm trying to take all this in. Well, hey. And I'm trying to take all this in. So when the healing room came, and we prayed and prayed and prayed, and I stood in faith, and I believed, and I anointed and poured the oil over me. And, oh, and nothing was changing. As a matter of fact, you know, we were having life group at my house. It was getting unbearable. I couldn't even sit but, you know, a few minutes, and I was grinding my teeth because I refused. I wasn't going to take any pains. Of course, uh, pain pills. Um, people were giving me herbal supplements that were supposed to help, but I felt like if I would have opened them all up and rubbed them all over me, I might have helped more. It wasn't doing anything. And when they came in there and said, hey, we want to pray for you again, to be honest with you, I thought, you know, what good is it going to do? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And I sat there, and those words just echoed in my head. And I'm like, do I believe God heals all, or doesn't he? 
Do I believe he put this sickness, disease, this, all those things that they called it, in my body? No. Then it's a liar. It's a thief, and it's trying to steal, kill, and destroy what God has given me. So he's got to go. So I came out here, and I won't get into the big, long story, but I received my healing right then. And I began to walk it out, and I didn't jump up, and it was all gone. It progressively got better. And every day I had to continue to decree, declare, and make it so out of my mouth, the promises of God, that this is what you died for. It's mine. It's my right healing and forgiveness. Sorry, got way off, but that was for somebody. It says, uh, discerning the Lord's body, weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. I really believe this is a spiritual asleep. Otherwise, he would have said dead. He doesn't mix words. God doesn't mix words. There isn't some things in the Bible by accident. I think God's big enough to know what he wanted in here and what he didn't want in here, right? A spiritual sleep. Let me ask you. A spiritual asleep is a spiritual apathy. In the church today, let's say the church at large, don't just look at the people sitting beside you. Do you see the word apathy actually means a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of concern for, and a general indifference to? Do you see that in the church today? Yeah. If you don't believe me, look at most of the teenagers. Actually, look at most of us. Because they do what, what they see. So they are only doing what they see done. And an indifference is that we just casually come in and out, and oh yeah, I believe it, and our life proves something different. An indifference, you're not excited anymore. I mean, how many, without raising your hand, how many can actually say you're not excite, as excited for the Lord as you was when you were first saved? A spiritual apathy. Why? And he links it to not discerning the body. Not understanding what has been sacrificed. What has been sacrificed. So in Hebrews chapter 10, and I don't have time. Man, I wish I had the time to go through this chapter. Well, a lot of the chapters, but we'll blow your socks off here. But I'm going to try to quickly read it just a part. But you've got to write this down. You've got to read the whole chapter. Chapter 10 in Hebrews. I need you to understand here the sacrifice, and I need to parallel it between what, what was in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Covenant. It says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could... Would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices, the old covenant, when they had to sacrifice, bring in those sacrifices, those animals and shed the blood, those 
sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Now first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, because they were a reminder, what's to come, what's to come. They were a shadow of what's to come. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. He's talking about covenant. He set aside the old covenant to set the new covenant in place. To establish it. Verse 10. And by that will. That word right there. That Greek word for will is the same Greek word used for covenant. And by that covenant. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, who's he talking about? Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant, the new covenant, I will make with them. After that time, after that sacrifice, when the blood has been shed and the old is now set aside and the new covenant has come, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. I wish I had the time to go right through. I mean, more is just uh, mind-blowing. He goes in to say that Jesus was the curtain, which we'll talk about. His body was the actual curtain. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the temple, there's different sections of the temple, and I'll tell you, look up the pictures. I'm a picture person. I love seeing the pictures. And find out which each um, court was for. It's in the, the great big candelabras that stood and how tall they stood and when they lit them and, you know, what the gates were for and what they represent. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. But in that temple, there was a holy place that the priest would come in, take in the, you know, blood and the sacrifice. But then there was behind there the most holy place. And there was this thick curtain that divided the most holy place from the holy place. And there was only once a year that the holy high priest and only him could go in. 
and shed blood or, or toss this blood up on this ark to hopefully cleanse all the people from their sins until next year when I can come in again. And let me show you uh, some parallels here. In Exodus 25 when, is when God gave Moses the instructions. He says, you need to build me a sanctuary. And so he actually lays all these things out. Measurements, everything, articles. What's going to go in there? When you turn this way, what it's going to look like? And how many, you know, all these cubic feet or cubics or whatever it's called. And, you know, what color and all this stuff. Why? Because he was showing a picture of what it is and what it will be. That's why he gave these exact measurements and all this um, symbolism that's tied in it. And what he's told Moses, and that was in 25, Exodus 25, in verse 8, he told Moses, you are to build for me a sanctuary and I will dwell among you. Uh, he, and he starts with first describing the one article, the one piece that's going to be in the most holy place. And then he goes out from there. So he starts from the very center, the most holy place. And what it was called was the ark. Box. Three and a half foot long by two and a half foot, two and a half foot. This box that's called the Ark. And he actually calls it the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Written Word, the Covenant. Why? Because it was the covenant that he was going to put down inside of it. He said, don't worry, I want you to make the box first. I'm going to get you the, that written word those commandments, and you're going to put those inside of that, the most holy place. He said, inside it, put the testimony, the written word of the covenant. On top of it, make an atonement cover, and he said, of the purest gold. And on that atonement cover, create two angels, two cherubims, two angels that are going to come up from the atonement cover looking at each other with their wings spread out this way, and they're going to watch over the atonement cover, the written word, the testimony. And in between that area where those angels are on top of that atonement cover, we'll call the mercy seat. And he said in verse 22, and there above the cover between those two angels, over the ark of the testimony, that is where I will meet with you. Listen. The ark was placed in the most holy place, separated by this thick veil. So no one but the high priest, remember, could enter it once a year. Now listen to this. This is where the Old Testament and the New Testament collide. Jesus was the word that became flesh. The living testimony, the new covenant. He was given the name at birth of Emmanuel, God with us. Now walking among us. He came to sacrifice himself as the perfect, spotless lamb. Worth more than all the pure gold in heaven. He is the atonement, the payment for all sins. Once and for all. That veil, his body. That veil, it says the curtain, is his body. 
That veil that once separated man from God, the most holy place, was now torn in two. Removed upon receiving his sacrificed body. When Mary looked into the tomb, she saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had laid. One at his feet and one at his head. The mercy seat where God reconciled, where, sorry, the mercy seat where God said he would meet with us is now in us. We are the temple of God. Reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus. His laws now placed within us. Written on our hearts, carried in us to be fulfilled through us, we become the living word of God, known and read by all men as we live out what he died for. Everything that God asked Moses to build was just a shadow of what he already had. <coughs> ready and prepared before the creation of the world to be sacrificed for us, to remove all, all elements of distraction and reconcile us back to God. So nothing would stand in between us and God any longer. But he had to first set up things to do that to show us he's removing them all. Why? Because we're human. And we got to see it to believe it. So he set up all these symbolic things for us to see. So that when the, the new covenant came and all those things were removed, we could understand with our little minds, our infinite minds, our finite minds, what he's doing inside the unseen. Yet I got this, I don't want to say a warning, um, but Friday, after I had done my devotions, uh, I went upstairs and God just started downloading, but this is what they've done. What we've done. And I'm just going to, I tried to write it down so it wouldn't go on forever and ever. He said, I'll put it this way, God removed all barriers between him and us. Yet we, by our own will, have reduced Jesus back to a written word on the tablets of the Bible. Placed him back inside a box, a shelf, a drawer. Shh. Ladies. God removed all barriers between him and us. Yet we, by our own will, have reduced Jesus back to a written word on the tablets of our Bible, placed him back inside a box, a shelf, or in a drawer, built again a thick veil in our hearts and the most holy place, separating God from the rest of our life. And there we only enter once a week to sprinkle a little blood on the mercy seat in hopes that we can receive forgiveness. And so by our actions we have nullified, rendered powerless, the very cross of Christ, the new covenant that came to heal and set us free. I was talking this out with Brian that it's we went full circle 
right around again. And we wonder why we're sick, we're weak, and we're falling asleep. Because we've reduced the body and the blood back to the old covenant. And I'll create this little holy place right in my heart for him. You can have this section, but the rest, well, it's my life. I can do what I want. You know, I've said the last couple weeks, I think it was Kevin Zadai that said, um, everybody wants the resurrection power, but nobody wants to die. You can't have, you can't have the rights of the cross until you yourself climb up on the cross. He said, if you want to be my followers, then follow me. Deny yourself, die to self, pick up your cross, and follow me. You cannot have the resurrection provisions without dying. And it's not going to come by you just creating this small little portion in your life of a most holy place. And God, here you are. You can have this right here. The rest is mine. The best you'll have is the once a week tingling, ooh, feeling when you come in. And, you know, they played the right song. The temperature was just the right. People smiled at me and nobody offended me today. And so God is so good. And then you leave and do your own thing. Discerning the body. Understanding what's been sacrificed. I'm going to go through the next two pretty quick. I don't have to go too quick. I like that. The atonement. What's been purchased? What's been purchased? Jesus, the atonement for all sin, all of its effects, nothing left undone. Nothing left undone. Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. By his wounds, you are, have been, healed, set free, delivered, forgiven completely inside and out. I love it that Jesus, when he went about healing all, used those words interchangeably. You're forgiven. Oh, I didn't know I needed forgiven. I, I thought I had a broken leg. Same thing. What's easier for me to say? You're forgiven or you're healed? Same thing. He put upon us, told us, go about forgiving all. What? I thought he said to heal all. Yeah, same thing. Inside and all. When he saved that word saved is sozoed, which is a saved completely. It's a healing both inside and out. Forgiven, set free, delivered. All of it, all at once. But in our intellectual minds, we've separated. Oh, so you just want to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Oh, okay, well now your spirit's healed, but um, we'll have to pray for you and believe for your body to be healed. What? 
Oh, well, you're, I know, you're tormented in your mind. You're, you know, you're hearing all these voices and you have emotional unrest. Well, um, you know, there's a good therapist, you know, that, you know, counselor that you can go. He's saved completely. Forgiven, healed, and free, set free. Why did the Spirit of the Lord come on him? For your freedom, for your healing, right? Forgiveness. All. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, all at once. You. So in the atonement, what was purchased? Dun da da da. You. Me. We were purchased. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is now, and that's what I shared with you, is now the temple of God? Of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are the pearl of great price. The parable that Jesus taught. He said he went and sold everything to attain. That was heaven. Heaven gave up everything to purchase you. Me. So glorify God in your body. Atonement, I've, I've taught on this before. You break down the word at one meant. At. At one meant. Atonement, right? At. At what? At this precise moment. At this precise place. What? At the cross. At the cross. One. One. O-N-E. One. You become one with God. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He said he gave Jesus the ministry of reconciliation. After Jesus, he said, I laid upon you the ministry of reconciliation. What? That we would become one with God. Where? At the cross. At one meant. The suffix meant, M-E-N-T, actually means the result of an action. So at the cross... You become, I become, one with God through the shed blood of Jesus for the what? Result of what? Freedom, forgiveness, healing. Ongoing. It actually, that meant, M-E-N-T, actually means it's an ongoing result of one action. Do you understand that? Atonement, at one meant. We are at one with God. <gasps> Actually, Jesus addressed this because that was one of the time the Pharisees, I think it was when he was in Solomon's colonnade and he was walking down. They're like, hey, tell us, are you the Christ? He's like, come on, I've told you this a hundred times. You know, that's Brenda translation. And he says, but I already told you, I'm the son of God. <gasps> Blasphemies, pick them up, stone. They're picking up stones, they're going to stone him. He's like, hey, what are you going to stone me for? You know, it even says in the Bible, that God called some of his own prophets, you are gods. So I'm not doing anything different than what the word already said, and yet you're going to stone me, Jesus was saying. It was Jesus' prayer in the garden. 
right before he was arrested. He prayed for us and he says, my prayer is that they would be one. Father, as we are one, you and me, me and you, them and me and me and us and all and all together and us with each other, all one. That was his prayer. And the communion. What's being done. Again, Hebrews 10, 14 that we read, it says, Because one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Being made holy. 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have common union with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, continues to wash us of all sins. Continues. It's an ongoing result of the one action. But you cannot get this washing, this cleansing of, without remaining in the light as he is in the light. Without denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following him. Then the blood of Jesus continues. And really, like I said, I'm a picture person. So when I think of, you know, and I, I'm actually, um, the books that God's been downloading in me as part of this Determined Disciple series. And I break down the word disciple. Remember, I've kind of, I gave you that to you before, the, the D-I-C-I-P and the L-E, the die to yourself, carry your cross in peace, and the love everyone. That when he says, if you want to be my followers, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. When you die to self, again, you have to die in order to have the resurrection power, and you pick up the cross, I picture that that blood that was shed on the cross covers me as I carry it. Covers me as I continue to carry it. Communion. That common union. That's that prayer of Jesus in the garden. That we're in him, he's in us. It's an ongoing answer to his prayer. His part was the sacrifice. What he purchased? Us in the atonement. He paid for it all. Our part? Now, as we read in 1 Corinthians 11, when we take of communion, which by the way, if you're only waiting until once a month, you're missing it. This is just the time for all of us to do this together. Uh, you are free to take communion at your house every day. He said, whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, discerning the Lord's body, listen carefully. Once I, get, once I say the big amen to this message, and you did the good part, and, and you prepared your heart to receive the word, it is planted in you, and it will produce. That seed that I've spit out of my mouth like the sower was supposed to do, and you prepared your heart, and you get it in there, Lord, and water it, and he will cause it to grow. It will produce a harvest. So the next time you pick up a piece of bread and you pick up a cup and you declare, this is my time right now, Lord. 
and I'm going to have my little communion time with you before I even drink my coffee or maybe after I drink my, or whenever. And I just want to sit here and remember you. Why? Because I'm proclaiming, decreeing, making it so every provision you died for me to have, I make it so right now in my body. On my body and about my body. It not only affects your inside, it affects your outside, and it affects your, if I can call it, your, your parameter around you. You make it so. You declare it so. So don't just wait till once a month. This is a, this is a culmination of what we're doing every day, right? You can. Okay, you're released to do that. Not released to go now. I'm not released to take communion at home. So his part, our part, is walking it out. Receiving it, living it, walking it out. We are the walking testimony. This is now the ark that carries the written word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is that? Jesus. This, your body, my body, is the temple of God, the most holy place that in it resides the testimony of God. And he says your body, your actions, your life should be a written testimony. A living testimony. Known and read by all men. Wherever you go. Because there's no more curtain, no more dividing. And he says in Romans 12.1, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you you it's time to die and take back and if you have I mean I was I mean that drove me right to my knees when God showed me that how we've went for full circle that he removed all the limitations all the barriers and he opened it up a new way a new covenant and here it is and now it's in you and I'm like that's nice and I pulled it all back out again and I've reduced it back down to a written word and tossed it on a shelf and put it in a drawer and only come once a week why so I can do my own thing I caused me to get right on my knees and repent that Lord I'm so sorry We need to stay in common union. Listen, uh, yeah, we're getting ready to take up offering. But let me just tell you, Jack Hayford um, wrote a really good book on worship, but at the end of the book, he, he like went to town on communion, which I didn't expect in this book on worship. Why? I don't know. Anyway. But he said, if Jesus were to preside this Sunday over communion... He would say, while you're partaking, I want you to remember what I've secured for you. I want you to enjoy every benefit of forgiveness, to receive every provision of victory, to enter into freedom from every point of bondage, and partake of my healing power. Of course he doesn't want us to forget. Of course he would say, remember. He suffered death to make it all possible. And communion is his way of keeping the provisions of the cross constantly before us. Our great shepherd has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies, and he invites us to it. 
Oh, I like that. But see, and what Jack Hayford, what he was trying to attack was in communion, we've reduced it to a remembering of Jesus on the cross. So much to the point where we come in mourning and wailing and oh, and he was horrible. And yes, it was. And yes, it was. But if all we do is use communion to look back at what was, we've missed the whole provision. And Jesus says, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, have you ever went through something? Have you ever um, had a hurt or pain? Or maybe it was, you know, you threw yourself in front of a bullet. I don't know what it was for a person. And you felt pain. Have you ever taken a pain upon yourself for somebody else? And that somebody else is just overwhelmed with, I, I don't, I, maybe guilt. You know, and remorse, and they're so sorry, and oh man, and you just, you know, you saved me, and you took that bullet, and I'm sure military people are all going, yeah, 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 you know, I understand that. But we don't want, hey, don't remember that, don't, 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 yeah, that, yeah, that hurt, and yeah, but don't just focus on that. I took that, so you could have this. Now go use this, right? You didn't want, if you saved somebody's life, if you were that hero that jumped in front of a bullet, saved somebody's life, do you, did you do that? They'd then fall down crying and begging at your feet all the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, you're like, go live your life. That's why I saved you. Right? So yes, it is a time. Remember, yeah, it was horrible. We have to remember what was sacrificed. What it cost him. But then if that's all we do, we walk out still mourning and still, Jesus is still on the cross. But it's looking toward what he's provided. And so, uh, in the new church, the New Testament church, actually, Paul had to address it because their um, communion, the Lord's Supper, had become this huge love feast. Why? Because they understood what it meant to celebrate the provision that Jesus died for them. So it was a humongous party. It was, yay, look at us, we're free, we don't have to do that, yay, right? We're healed, look at us, you know, we're coming in, we're dancing and everything, and they kind of went a little too far. So he had to go, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but now we've swung so far the other way, we've forgotten the provision. So there needs to be a time, yes, to remember, but also, yes, and that's where it is, where discerning the body is applying it, proclaiming it, decreeing, making it so, taking the provision, setting at the, the banquet table that he's laid out for you and saying, yeah, it's mine. Yes, thank you. Yes, it's mine. So when we take communion this morning, if you'd go ahead and put that music on for me, because I want the worship team to stay down here. That's okay, right? Doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> got a little distracted there. Um, I, I want you to understand that this is your time. Die to self take what he died for you to have. I, I'm taking my healing right now. Father, you know, here's the blood, here's the body, what you sacrificed, what you paid for, I'm receiving right now healing, 
freedom, forgiveness. Partaking. I yeah, remember, yes, remember, but partake, proclaim. Jesus said, I came to proclaim, decree, and make it so your healing, your freedom, and God's favor on you. Don't ever forget that. God's favor on you. How else can we be the display of his glory and his goodness if we're miserable, poor, oh, look at me, and the world's like, I want what you have? He said, my favor is on you, my blessing is on you, so that, what? People can see, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's through us. said every time you partake in communion, you just like Jesus proclaim, decree, and make it so. Your forgiveness, your healing, your freedom. And so today when we take communion, we're going to come up. The ushers are going to have a couple ushers stand up here. And we're all going to come up. We're going to get a bread, get a little cup, and stay up here. If you have to sit down, then you can sit in one of the front rows. But we're all going to come up here and stand. And we're all going to wait on each other. And then I'll give us more instructions on what we're going to do. So if the ushers, if you would get ready, come up here and take your place. If you would all just stand. discerning the body, what was sacrificed, understanding the atonement, what was purchased, and living out the common union. God in me, me in God. If God is in me, no sickness can be in me. No pain, no sickness, no disease, no lack. If it's not in heaven, it can't be in me. What if it is? We'll talk about that Wednesday. Come back on Wednesday night. So would you just come up, take a little cup, take a little bread, and find a place up here? And I want you, as soon as you get that, I want you to just start focusing on Jesus. Jesus. Come on, come on. Crowd on up here. Make your way around if you have to. Remember his sacrifice, his body for you. And this is a really good time for you to, if you can stand and close your eyes, if you're that coordinated, do so. Why? Because it helps you not be distracted by everybody else. Remembering his sacrifice. We're all going to make a commitment or a recommitment uh, that today we're dying. We're dying to self. 
We're dying to our will. We're dying to our way. We're dying to our curtains. We're dying to our establishments that we've tried to erect to put God in this little place and just give him a portion of our life. We're dying to all that. All of it. We're dying to this religious rituals. We're dying to this powerless life. We're dying to these lies that we've been believing that for some reason, just because it was an accident, I, I tripped over whatever and broke my leg that now it's part of me. Or it's hereditary. It's come down. My father had it. My brother had it. My two sisters had it. Whatever. And it's just part of me. It's, it's mine. Or, well, they put so many chemicals in, in the food nowadays. Everybody's going to get cancer. And now I've got cancer. It's just a fact of life. We're dying to those lies. to those assignments. We're dying to the word curses. We're dying to the belief that God would want any sickness, disease, pain, suffering, wherever it came from, however it got there, that God would want that to remain in me. That's a lie and we die to it today in the name of Jesus. take a minute right now and ask you with everybody's eyes closed if you can stand with your eyes closed if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you need to do that before we take communion you need to do that before we take communion just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with everybody today I need to recommit my life or make a commitment for the first time all right, looks like everybody's saved here. So what we're doing, and go ahead and say that. If you've got, if the Holy Spirit is shining light on a lie that you've believed, confess it, renounce it right now. Father, forgive me for believing this lie and name it. Just take time right now because we're going to accept. We're going we're gonna to partake of the provisions of the resurrection power. But first we have to die. So come on, do that, do that. Any lies that you've believed. disease or your sickness that you're going through right now is some way blessed by God and you're claiming the, the thorn of Paul. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I don't have the time to get into it all, but people misuse that all the time. That's a lie. Totally goes against what God said. He healed all, delivered all, saved all.
there's nothing left undone. Forgive us. Forgive us for believing that somehow this was according to your will. And it's not. Your will is to heal all, forgive all, and set all free. That's why Jesus died. And that's what you told us to continue to remember and continue to proclaim the results of this crucifixion cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, the body sacrificed, and the resurrection power. All right, you ready to start receiving it? Hold on to that little piece of bread. Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took this bread when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me Jesus right now we remember your body that was broken beaten nailed to a cross for us. You did this for us. It says in Isaiah that you took all sin, you took all sicknesses, all disease, all pain and sorrow, and you bore them upon your body. And you nailed it to the cross. And it said there is where you canceled all assignments of the enemy any decree made about us, any word curse put over us, any hereditary sickness or disease. It was all canceled there. You triumphed over every lower power, every lower authority. All the power of the enemy there. And right now, we just receive that provision that you took upon your body into our body right now in Jesus' name. Let's take this together. Mm. No sin, no sickness, no disease, no pain, no sorrow. It's all canceled. And then it said that he took the cup in the same way after supper, saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. And he said every time you do this, you proclaim, you decree, you make it so every provision I died for, you make it so now a reality in your life, on your life, and around your life. And right now we lift up this cup of the new covenant in your blood and we thank you, Jesus, that this blood washes us inside and out. Nothing left undone. A healing power
for is ours. It's our right in you. Provision that you proclaimed, decreed, and made so for us, and we receive it now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Amen. Let's take it. Thank you. Just start thanking him right now. I don't want anybody moving except for the staff. Staff pastors are going to come around right now. Don't move. Don't leave. And they're just going to lay hands on you right now and quickly proclaim and decree exactly what you just agreed for. Where two or three agree on one thing, what? It is done. It is done. So don't leave. Everyone's getting healed. Everyone's being forgiven. Everyone is being set free today. Don't go anywhere. And then after, the team's going to come back and we're going to go into more worship, all right? So don't leave. Don't leave. You are forgiven.